The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show. I am so excited with our guests today, but before I talk about them, first, a real shout-out to the Epilepsy Foundation for the walk in D.C. It was fabulous. As a matter of fact, my good friend Yoshiko was there, uh, Yoshiko Dart, who is just an awesome person. Uh, we all know Justin, her late husband, who is like, you know, my hero, so is she, but Thank you, everyone. All of you that supported that National Walk, thank you so much. Speaking of walking, our two guests today. I love these two. I love them both. Um, Amy Slattery and Frank Valaquez are Rev Sports Rehab and Athletic Development owners. I know them both very well, and I would just say they are really good people Amy and Frank, welcome to the show. Joyce, it's a pleasure to be here today. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Amy. And Frank, just so you know, I'm sitting here looking at my pirate mug while I'm talking to you. Oh, God bless your heart. (laughs) Frank, Frank, as he'll tell you, is connected to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But as anyone who knows me, I'm always wanting to say, Raise the Jolly Roger. So I am a diehard Pirate fan, um, and that's why I knew Frank would be so happy to hear that. So, Frank, speaking of that, how about if you first tell all of our guests how you became involved in sports and rehabilitation training. And, by the way, they're located right here in Pittsburgh, PA, and I go there. And if anyone listening to this show needs strength training or rehabilitative training, this is the place to go. So, Frank, uh, why don't you tell them how you got involved? Oof, the, let's give you the, the shortened version of this. I guess like, like most uh, children growing up in the 70s, um, at least little boys, I wanted to be a big leaguer. And uh, at some point they told me I wasn't good enough. And um, I ended up excelling in, in anatomy and biology and the sciences and my mother always wanted me to go into medicine, and I think it was just combining my two passions of, of athletics, more specifically baseball, and and uh, medicine, sports medicine. So that that's what kind of led me down the road. Once they told me I wasn't good enough to play anymore, I was I was adamant that I was going to get to the big leagues, and I just found another way. And what way would that be? Well. Uh, through athletic training and being a strength and conditioning coach. I was a major league strength and conditioning coach for nine years. I spent 16 years in professional baseball together, but my last nine were spent as the strength and conditioning coordinator for your Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, that's the part I'm waiting for, Frank. (laughs) That's it. He was working all those years with the Pittsburgh Pirates and still knows them and has photographs in Rev Training. And how much better could you be than training the best baseball team in the major league? Okay, now if you're listening to this show, you're thinking, what's wrong with this woman? They <laughs> have so many losing seasons. But you just wait. Just wait. It's coming. That's and whenever right. they're in the World Series, I do not want any of you to call me that have given me a hard time. So that's what I have to say to all of you. And, Amy, how about you? You also oh, have wow. an interesting affiliation with sports figures. I, I pretty much have a very similar story. I've always grown up surrounded by sports. My older brother was a hockey player, and my older sister played a lot. And being the younger one, I was kind of bounced around with mom and dad and all the fields and the ice skating rinks and just kind of surrounded by sports, and I ended up being an athlete myself. Um, 
went on to attempt to play in college, and at that point, I blew out my knee, the dreaded ACL. Um, so I had some rehab of my own and kind of always grew up loving health and science and knowing that that was kind of the path I was going to take. So the combo of all that led me into sports medicine at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. And then at the tail end of my college career, I decided to go into physical therapy. Not sure really if that was the path I wanted to go. Kind of applied to grad school going, I really hope I like this. Um, And sure enough, through another three and a half years of grad school, I had some sports medicine experience and really loved it. And then what? Well, and you and also work lucky. with some famous people. Yeah, are you waiting for for mine here? Um, I'm waiting. Well, <laughs> the cool part is I went um, to grad school in Brooklyn in New York City and and stayed there and worked there for many years, and so the avenue that I was able to take, I was kind of a professional sponge there and um, got to work a little bit with a New York Jets physician. And um, I was practicing about five years and realized um, getting my strength and conditioning specialty license would be a great avenue for me. And so when I did that, it opened up a lot of doors. And one day I got a phone call asking if I would perhaps provide sports medicine rehab for Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWE. And of course, I took that on, and um, I had eight great years of working side-by-side with the world wrestling industry and some of their talent, as they say, an awesome opportunity for me. But, I mean, what's interesting is that both of you, for almost the same number of years, worked with athletes that, you know, are very well-known. And I, I think that also speaks highly of both of you. And I know Amy's goal is to get me back in the ring. Right, Amy? <laughs> it is. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a hard goal. But she is working on it, diligently working on it. Well, listen, Amy um, and Frank, I admire so much what you're doing. But we do... Uh, we do advertise these shows ahead of time, and we get questions sent in. So either one or both of you can answer this question from a Tina in Louisiana. And her question is, do you think it takes a certain type of character to spend time working with people to help them? That's a great question, Tina. Um, yeah, I think, I think it does. It does take a giver. I mean, both Amy and I and everyone on our staff here at Rev, we, we're givers. We, we want to, we feel that everyone that comes through our Rev doors needs something, a massage, a workout plan, some rehabilitation, some motivation. So we're continually giving. Um, but at the same time, we're receiving from our clients and patients by the, the progress that they make and their smiles and their stories. And it's a very fulfilling position, that job that we do. Um, but it does take someone special to be able to do, to do this job. It's funny. Yeah. I just had a question like that recently. And out of the blue, I just kind of said, I've been practicing for 13 years, and it can be demanding at times um, emotionally and physically. And I was speaking to a patient who is a retired physician, and we were talking about practicing. And I said, you know, you don't always have to be passionate about your practice, but you do have to be passionate about your service. Um, I think that's what sets us apart. Um, I think having an empathetic side and the ability to really listen to what people want and what their goals are is very important. Um, I always used to say, know your anatomy and physiology and have an awesome personality, and you'll be a great practitioner. Right. And you both are, by the way, but I agree with both of you. I mean, if you really aren't like that, I just don't know how you would be successful doing this because people that come in, no matter who it is, you know, we all have some issue or some problem. And as Frank said, many people, you know, they need motivation. Um, And some people are very seriously hurt that are, you know, going there through 
uh, or were seriously hurt that are going through rehabilitation training. And if you aren't able to be supportive, I just don't know how this would work. I think a lot of times people don't know their own capabilities and people are capable of so much more. And so what we offer to everyone is that vision, hey, you can do more, and are your goals realistic? It's very important to set realistic goals that you can achieve so you feel good about yourself and that you can continue on that positive path. Now, is that something that you do even, Frank, in uh, strength training, you know, one-on-one training? Do you give people goals or what do you do? Without a doubt. We take everyone through an initial assessment, evaluation, so we find out where they need to be more flexible and where we can get them stronger. And then we set up a plan according to the information we get from that assessment. Um, So we customize our program, and then we set goals accordingly, communicating to the client in a timely fashion. We set everything reachable goals. We have a macro cycle where we have an end, whether it be I want to be able to uh, run a marathon or... I want to be able to uh, throw 90 miles an hour. And we know that that's the end goal, but we set up smaller goals to reach that end means, the the final. Well, you know, and I do want to say something about Rev. The thing that I find that's unique is that they do give more one-on-one training versus you are one of many. And I really believe that that does make a difference. I do. That personalized one-on-one training um, is so different than some places, as I said, where you go, but, you know, you're just one of many. Do you know what I mean, Amy? Absolutely. We like to say that we get people better faster and they stay stronger longer. Um, Our industry for sure is changing with all of the insurance modules and we as practitioners and especially with the business model have to adapt internally as a practitioner and externally as a business owner. So our combination of having therapeutic massage, um, having less patients scheduled per hour but giving quality care um, absolutely has a hand on getting people better faster. And then having the performance arena where the strength and conditioning, um, people spend less time on the table and more time in active functional care. Um, It really helps to foster um, quicker results and keep people better longer. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't want people to be here forever. We want them to go back in their day and have great function. And at the same time... (coughs) It's great because it is at less cost to insurance companies and at less cost to people who are paying out of pocket. So our goal is to get people better faster and um, be able to carry on in their day-to-day work for longer periods of time. Great idea. And I know you both do it. Well, with that, hey, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Frank and Amy from Rev Sports Rehab and Athletic Development. They are the owners. It is a great organization. We're going to talk more to them when we come right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are talking to the owners of Rev Sports Rehab and Athletic Development right in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As you all know... 
although we've had people on the show from all walks of life, from the Obama administration, senators, NFL stars, authors, I always like to have on the show business people in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my hometown. That's why I was so excited to have both Frank and Amy on today to talk to us. And Amy, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that a lot of people don't understand exactly everything that you do at Rev Sports and Athletic Development. So, Frank, how about if we start with you and then, Amy, whatever you want to add on, you can. Oh, what do we do at Rev Sports? That's a great yeah. question. <laughs> um, Rev is a unique and state-of-the-art facility, Joyce. Uh, we house, under one roof, physical therapy, sports rehabilitation, strength and conditioning, performance enhancement, massage therapy, and nutrition consulting and overall wellness all under one roof. So it's really when Amy and I started this, we had a vision of a one-stop shop for active adults, developing youth, uh, performing athletes, and just anyone that needs something that we can provide, providing an A1 service to the people of Western Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, so yeah. yeah. Amy, and, and Amy, do you want to add anything? I do. I just wanted to say um, I moved here two years ago from New York City, and so this is, you know, kind of how I used to practice. So I would take the professional athletes or, or wrestlers from the WWE, and I would have them very early on post-op or acute injury, and then as a strength and conditioning specialist, I would see them all the way through back into the ring. So at headquarters in Connecticut, they would have a ring. And so being able to take that injured person or that athlete from the table into the ring so you can best observe um, is how I was used to practicing. When I moved here, I was trying to find out where I was going on a professional level, and I really searched for something that best mimicked what I did in New York, and I really couldn't find it. Um, There's a lot of PT places. There's a lot of strength and conditioning facilities, but there's not one encompassed all in one. And I know from my experience and Frank too that um, when we were speaking when we first met, we knew that this was the best approach to top-notch care. Right. Yeah. Well, I I mean, as you said, one-stop shop is a good way to describe it because you can get so much benefit, not just in one area. And, Amy, while I'm talking to you, uh, many times when I go to any conferences on the employment of people with disabilities, as you know, I've told you and Frank, that people with disabilities have the highest unemployment of any minority group. Over 70% are not even part of the workforce. So here's what happens. I'll go to a session, and they will advise Oh, become an entrepreneur. And by the way, many people with disabilities do, in fact, become entrepreneurs. Um, the reason being they may not be able to find employment, so they become an entrepreneur. Whereas in my case, I was already an entrepreneur when I found out I had a disability. But there are many people with a significant disability that they end up trying to go into their own business because they can't find anyone that will employ them. But... At the same time, I told people at the conference, do not just say to people, become an entrepreneur, because, you know, it's very involved. Um, And I thought, Amy, if you could take a minute, in your opinion, if you could advise people with disabilities what you feel they need to have almost in their being Mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur. Sure. Well, I have a couple things. One is luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And you never know when you're sitting in opportunity. So every little step along the way, whoever you meet, wherever you work, and maybe a short period of time where you're working with certain people that can change your life even down the road. And so really be a professional sponge and take each opportunity to its fullest because you never know where it can lead you. So, again, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Just just take those opportunities, um, and they will help you be prepared for whatever you want to do in the future. That's kind of the way I looked at what Frank and I are doing now. Those 13 years of practice 
um, prepared me for sure what we're doing now. Not even knowing when I was 21 in the big city uh, going to grad school, all that I took in there would make me who I am today. Um, The other thing is life is a challenge. It's how you handle it. And for sure, those with disabilities are um, constantly making lemonade, you know, and, and really being positive. You wake up every day and say, today's going to be a great day and, and being positive and finding ways to modify things that they may have to do in their day, um, staying positive and persevering, never giving up. Those are all the things um, that go into being a business owner. Also, a little bit of risk, um, you know, not trying not to get caught up in the fear of what you're doing and just digging deep, find, finding the fire within you to pull all that you have to make something a great success and never giving up on yourself and your vision. Um, I always think, what's the worst that can happen? And um, for me, it's a little personal, but my husband is a 9-11 survivor, and I always go back to that day, and I think about those many hours that I didn't hear from him, and I wasn't sure if he was even alive. And when I think about all the risks that go into entrepreneurship, um, you know, it kind of takes me back into that day and, and say, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? Just kind of go for it. Oh, that is so true. Because I always tell friends, employees, no matter who it is when they have a problem, first of all, everyone's going to have a problem. Someday in their life, they're going to have a problem, a stressful thing happen, whatever. The key to success is how you deal with that. How yeah, you and also respond. who you're surrounding yourself with. I think if mm-hmm. you have a really good supportive team around you, kick all the negative out, keep all the positive. Um, it takes a team to make a dream. That's what we say around here. It does. And I always tell people, you know, who you associate with is going to have an impact on you one way or the other, positive or negative. There's just no doubt about that. Um, Frank, how about you? Is there anything you'd like to add to what you feel it takes to be an entrepreneur if there's someone listening to the show today that, you know, plans on doing that? Uh, Well, Amy said it very well. Um, I echo everything she says. And, you know, Joyce, I know you're a big Clint Hurdle fan, as am I, and Clint used to say in the clubhouse, hey, everything starts with a thought. Thoughts lead to emotions. Emotions lead to actions. Actions lead to results. So going back to the positive thinking, um, it all starts with a thought. And I'm a motivational guy, and there's this quote out there from a Russian literary. Her name is Ayn Rand. And it says, it's not who's going to let me, it's who's going to stop me from doing mm-hmm. what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things I would add. Yes. And, you know, it's so funny you're talking about all this because today was the Bender Leadership Academy graduation for the high school students with disabilities from Fox Chapel. And it was just awesome. But one wow. thing they've learned from me is attitude is a choice. Every day when you get up, you decide, good day, bad day. You're the one making that choice. You decide. And guess what? However you decide, it's going to go that way. If you say, I'm going to have a terrible day, you will. But if you get up and say, no, I'm going to have a good day. Because as Amy was talking about earlier, I tell everyone I know, friends, employees, whatever, no matter what problem you're dealing with, If you had something happen, such as what Amy talked about, whether it's to your spouse or your children or a close friend or your mother or father, whether it's something to cause them to lose their life or to be significantly injured, or you yourself, you would at that point say, I would exchange those things I thought were problems at work in a minute, in a heartbeat. I assure you all those survivors of 9-11 and their families would, in a heartbeat, exchange that having a problem at work to what happened to them. 
So, you know, it is true. Attitude is a choice. How you think is going to impact you. I would say that one of the things Amy said that is so absolutely key is perseverance. You know, when you're going to become an entrepreneur, you, you, you have to have a plan. Part of that plan is you have to have a product that will sell. It's not just one day you could say, oh, I'm going to do this thing. You have to know that there's a market for what you're going to sell. You have to have a plan. You have to have a plan with goals. But trust me, perseverance, if you don't have it, you're not going to make it because it's a 24-hour job when you're an entrepreneur. And Speaking of that, Frank and Amy, congratulations to your one-year anniversary. What would you say were your biggest fears when you first started? Frank, I'll start with you. Oof, the biggest, well, thank you, first of all. Um, it's gone by very fast, and it's been a lot of knockdowns and getting back up, persevering through this first 12 months. Um, Amy and I, you know, we, we're very confident in our abilities and what we do, but I think you talk to the best athletes, the best, the, the top CEOs on the face of the earth, and just people that are driven, and they, they all have a fear inside them, whether they show it or not. Uh, we like to think that we're not scared of anything, but since you asked, <laughs> um, I guess for me, Joyce, the, I guess the fear of the unknown. Um, for 20 years, I did what I did in, with college athletes, professional athletes, and I never had to charge for my services. Um, but then stepping out of that box and starting a business and doing all that goes with it, the business plan, finding a facility, building out the facility, um, marketing, uh, dealing with employees, insurances, taxes, um, that's a lot. It was a lot of learning, a lot of stimulation, um, a very good roller coaster ride so far. But I guess the fear of the unknown is where is this going to lead me um, just because I just had never been down this road before. Yeah. Right. How about you, Amy? Well, to be perfectly honest, because um, after 9-11, my husband did a complete 360 on a job change, and um, we took about a 50% pay cut. So we had kind of been down the road of, flipping as far as income and whatnot. So truthfully, the only fear um, that I really had was being sure I could still be the best mom that I could be. I really am taking on more of a full-time role where in New York I was the sole proprietor and I had a lot more flexibility with hours and times and income and um you know, taking on this venture, I wanted to be sure I could give it all that I had. Um, and that was probably right up there, just really, you know, wanting to be sure that I could still be a great mom to my two boys. And my husband's job is very demanding and being sure that I could still be, um, you know, accessible to my husband and, and our family. Well, I think both of those are, are pretty normal um, I mean, anyone that starts a business, you're going to have apprehensions, whether it's with your family or your just the risk of the unknown, as Frank said. But, hey, you did it. You did it and you're doing it, and that's, that's what counts. So for people with disabilities, um, I have to tell you frequently what happens. I can't begin to tell you how many people I've met, for example, in a wheelchair that will not, you know, they have their upper body strength. And if they don't, of course, they could still have some form of exercise, but definitely nutrition is, is something for all people. But you can't begin. How many people have met just like about five months ago? This one young man uh, said to me he was smoking. And I said, why the heck would you be doing that? He says, why wouldn't I? What's going to happen to me anyway? I said, that is definitely not a good way to think about this. And then I've met people that do have their upper body strength, and they'll say, well, why should I bother? And I'll say, because you probably would live longer, you know, if you did that, because I'm sure both of you have seen, uh, you know, uh, people that play basketball that are paralyzed or, you know, the paralyzed veterans of America. But I'll start with you, Frank. What's your opinion about that? For people with disabilities <clears throat> listening to the show, 
do, do you feel that would be helpful, strength training if they can do it, and or nutrition? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, exercises come in various levels, uh, and, and every exercise can be modified. I think sometimes with whether you're disabled or not, sometimes people just get scared, well, I can't do the exercise. Um, one thing that Amy and I pride ourselves on here at Rev is that people come to us and we try as hard as we can not to shut them down from what they love to do, whether that be throwing a baseball or running or swimming. We find a way to modify the activity that buys us time to help fix whatever they come to us with, their issue, and then get them back into full status of their activity. So without a doubt, I think uh, I would I would encourage anyone with a disability to to exercise, find an exercise that suits their needs, find an exercise that they like to do, find a facility that can help them, and it, it can only help. Um, there's so many benefits that come from exercising and eating well, and it's not just physical. It's mental. It's spiritual. It, it's, it's wellness. Um, it can prolong the quality. It can improve your quality of life. It, it can prolong your life. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely encourage anyone to, to uh, exercise. And if they've tried it and stopped, I, you know, give it another shot. How about you, Amy? What do you have to say about this? I agree with everything Frank said. Um, it's a mood booster. It's a stress reliever. There's so many benefits to exercise. For women, um, bone growth and healthy bones as perhaps osteopenia or osteoporosis come along. There are just so many benefits um, to exercise, and there is something for everybody. And you just have to find what that niche is for you. Um, and and, and nutrition telling. is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you have a disability. Absolutely. I mean, nutrition is for everyone, such as when I talked to that person that said to me, well, I probably won't live long Anyway, you know, he was smoking. I said, well, that would shorten that time. The best thing you can do to place yourself at less risk for injury and health problems is to be fit and to be healthy. Um, you know, it can diminish a lot of things that may come along your way. That's right, and you never know what those things could be. Uh, well, Amy, talk about earlier when we were saying about giving I know that you have a special interest in uh, juvenile diabetes, and I thought maybe you could share with our listeners why that is. Sure, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, my nephew, my sister's son, Tyler, who's now 13, when he was six years old, I got that phone call. I'll never forget, I was very, very pregnant, walking on First Avenue to the doctor's appointment, my sister called crying, and my sister's kids are like my own. And I said, what is wrong? Something's very wrong with Tyler, she said. I'm on my way to the doctor's, and what could it be? So you think the worst, is it, you know, cancer? Is it diabetes? And, you know, there was a couple things that had happened in the summertime. He was just going into kindergarten, he was wetting the bed a little bit, he had lost 10 pounds, and it did cross my mind, but I never really went there. And sure enough, um, he goes to Children's Hospital in Rochester, New York, and I get the phone call that he's diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Right off the bat, my sister handled it, handled it all excellently, and um, he was on injections right away, and now he's had a pump, and he's had a pump for years. So what we have done since he was six years old is uh, start to raise money and do a yearly fundraiser where we've done everything from a cookie sale to a lemonade stand to a garage sale. Of course, we get our kids involved and family involved and um, raise money for this awesome cause so that we can find a cure for Tyler. And in addition, he writes a letter every year talks a little bit about his challenges and his progress. And he's a star athlete, a grade-A student, and he's doing really, really well. But we as a family have really um, decided to do everything we can to help find a cure. And this year, um, it's funny, if you look at our business plan, um, both Frank and I have charities that, you know, we want to help. And in being a business owner and and 
and having the opportunity to give back. That's something that's really important to us, and it's been in our business plan from the very beginning. And um, recently, thanks to your help, Joyce, um, for the contact information, we've gotten in touch, and I'd like to collaborate here um, with our friends in Pittsburgh and take our joint venture here uh, to JDRF in Pittsburgh and see what we can do this year, and we're very excited about it. Oh, that is awesome. And, you know, there is a Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation right here in Pittsburgh. If you go to the website, you can find it. Uh, Ms. Nanda Turk from Highmark is the chair. She is an awesome person and went through a personal experience. But I, I got to tell you, anyone that can help give back, it is so awesome. We have hired people and and have them working with juvenile diabetes, but just like epilepsy, it, it's really a spectrum. There are some people with epilepsy, like me, that it's controlled. You can control the seizures. Like me, maybe only have one, uh, you know, a year or every two years. But then there are children that have hundreds a day where we really need to be focused on the cure. Same thing with juvenile diabetes. So anything you can give give back, no matter how small, is going to make a difference. And Amy and Frank, thank you so much for wanting to help. You're very welcome. Well, Amy and Frank, remember I said I was just at uh, with high school students with disabilities, autism, all different disabilities, and one thing they have in common is that they are brutally bullied at school. Sadly, we've lost people to suicide as a result of bullying, whether it's on Facebook or in person or texting, whatever it is, telling people they're weird, they're ugly, why don't you die, uh, not wanting to associate with them. And I was just wondering, for any of those young people listening to the show today, if you have any advice for them. Sure. Uh, I have an eight-year-old son. Um, I think it's it's a little bit different than we when we were younger. There's a lot more going on in the world. Uh, like you said, Joyce, the, all of the social media, um, communicating without having to talk. Uh, I think some, some important values and, and characteristics of mankind are just being lost with technology, with the, the progress of technology where it is today. Um, and my son has some issues every once in a while as an eight year old, every eight year old does. And, and, uh, we tell my wife, Carrie and I tell him, you know, be true to yourself. Um, continue to be kind. We raise a kind child, um, and communicate, uh, get people involved, whether it be your parents, the school teacher, don't try to take this on by yourself as a, as, as a young child that's being bullied. Um, and I think finally, we we actually pray for these bullies at night. We pray for them and their parents that that they uh, kind of can make changes for themselves to be nicer to other people. Um, life's just too short, and those are the things that I tell my son. So I'm I'm sharing it with with the rest of the the listening audience. I, I guess um, that's what I have. How about you, Amy? Well, well said, well said, Frank. Um, it's funny because I remember we were talking about this in the <clears throat> clinic a little bit way, way a long time ago, you and I, and, and I said, let me at the bullies. I want to talk to the bullies. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, and I said, well, wait, I just opened a business, so give me a, give me a second so I can still stay married, and then I'll be on this venture, you know? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> You know, what, what is going on in their lives? What, what is making them feel so insecure that they have to pick on other kids? Like, I really want to get to the ones doing it. Um, is it something that's happening, you know, at home and, and educating the parents? And, you know, I have to say, I have a family member who was going through something like this and, for three months, nobody knew about it, and it was absolutely detrimental. And, you know, really getting the kids to be able to communicate to somebody that they trust and open up, um, I think it's huge. And, 
and and I hope that there are ways and um, opportunities for others to get to those who are doing the bullying. Well, you know, we just lost this 14-year-old boy, and it all was connected to the social media. And what I would say to the young people listening is that you have people like Frank and Amy uh, and me, of course, that has your back. You have people out there that care about you, but that one thing, Frank said, don't keep it a secret. Do not keep it a secret. Tell someone. If you don't tell your parents, you tell someone at school. And if you can't tell your teacher, you tell your guidance counselor. And if you can't tell them, you tell your coach. And if you can't tell that person, you tell your pastor, your rabbi, you tell someone. Because no one should have to deal with this to where there becomes no hope. You have to speak up. And I'm telling you, I have these young people today that are empowered and they have disabilities, but they're out there to help other people with disabilities. So just remember how great you are and don't let anyone take that from you. And I'm sure there were people that influenced both of you growing up. So I'll start with you, Amy. Who was your role model? Well, I guess that's an easy one. I have to say my parents, um, just always there for us, finding ways to get us involved in activities. Um, My mom was a nurse, and so she was one of service, and she used to work nights. Um, So I remember her sleeping a little bit before she would go to work and sleeping a little bit when she came home in the morning, but always made every single game of mine and was around in the evening. Uh, My dad had a full-time job with Con Edison in New York City. Um, And while he had a full-time job and three kids, he went to college, he went for his MBA, and he got his PhD and was a professor, um, an adjunct professor for universities such as Fordham and Marist College. And um, just really easy people to look up to. And I'm so grateful that I had wonderful, loving parents. And then something that is also kind of cool is just having the experience of being with Linda and Vince McMahon, the owners of the WWE, for as long as I had. Um, They taught me so much. They were married for over 40 years and in business over 30 years, and they were bankrupt at one point. Um, Just had so much life experience, and they are constant role models and and always very encouraging. especially Linda as a professional um, CEO at one point for 25 years of the WWE and a wonderful mother, and she had a lot of great advice for me. Um, You know, you're not going to make everything in your child's life, but if you say you're going to be there, you have to be there. If you say you're going to pick up your kids, make sure you pick them up. So little things like that along the way have really, um, you know, helped me and so... So they've been a wonderful role model for me as well. How about you, Frank? Oof. Um, well, I've I've had the the privilege of of being associated, being able to be around some great, great people through my journey of getting to where I am today. Um, coaches, Bo Schembechler, Jim Tracy, Clint Hurdle, Red Berenson, coaches from all walks that have kind of molded me, athletic trainers and strength coaches as well, Russ Miller, Paul Schmidt, both from the University of Michigan. Um, But when it comes down to it, uh, my mom and dad are my role models. Um, My mother was a social worker, and she's very compassionate. She's a beautiful woman. I'm I'm happy to say I get my looks from my mother. Um, (laughs) And she, I mean, it's a fact that I'm 50% her and 50% my dad. Um, but she, she has a heart is, is uh, big as the building we work out of and, and, uh, so forgiving and, and really taught me. She nurtured me along the way. Um, my father was a 35 year, uh, auto worker for 35 years with general motors. And, um, much like Amy's mother, my dad worked nights, um, third shift, and he coached my teams all through the way through high school. Um, very no-nonsense, very straightforward, um, honest, and through both of them, it, it's I learned to, to do the right thing. Uh, that's kind of what it comes down to, and 
I wouldn't be where I am today without them. So my parents. Well, you both have great parents. I mean, I too, um, like Amy, you know, I went through losing a parent, but I can definitely say how big of an influence my parents had on me. So, you know, why I'm bringing this up, folks, listening to the show, just remember when you have children, they do notice. You do have an impact. They are watching you. Always remember that. Well, every guest that's been on this show for the last 14 years, when I think that's accurate, have been asked the same last two questions. For some reason, the next question seems to be the hardest, but I'm going to start with you, Amy. Oh, it is hard. Yeah, you obviously <laughs> are already successful. Look at all the things you've done at such a young age. But my question is, what would you say has been your greatest accomplishment? That is such a hard question, and I think being asked, you really have to take a step back and look at everything that you've done. It's not something that, you know, I think about a lot. In fact, I think the greatest accomplishments are yet to come. Um, I'm so grateful and fortunate for everything that has been put in front of me, and I've had the, you know, ability to grab at it. Um, Of course, I put my heart and soul into being a mom and a parent. Um, You know, I don't know that you really know what you're getting into when you decide to have kids. Um, I think it's full of ups and downs and great surprises, Um, but just being able to foster and watch your children grow into kind, um, you know, awesome human beings is, is such an accomplishment and hard work at that, but so rewarding. Um, I think also um, still being married for 10 years is a great accomplishment um, because we have been so hardworking and it takes a lot of tag teaming um, between my husband and I to make all that, you know, all of our dreams, you know, put into fruition here. Um, so those are, those are probably have to be so far, you know, again, I think, more great things are coming, and so I look forward to what the future holds. Oh, well, that is great. How about you, Frank? Oof, the greatest accomplishment is is uh, my family. Um, being a, a loving husband to my wife of 13 years now and being the best father I can be to my son, you know, as Amy said, I mean, it's a great responsibility that we've been privileged or we have the opportunity to be a parent um, and, to, and to mold this young person and give them the resources, provide for them the resources. And uh, that's, that's my greatest accomplishment is, is being a father and a husband. Um, I have a ton of other things like Ames, uh, but when it comes down to it, those are just things, uh, championship rings and awards and honors, but at the end of the day, it's uh, the people that live under my roof that are my greatest accomplishment. Yeah, I'm not surprised that either one of you would use these because you are both so wonderful, great people, so that just really fits. Well, Amy and Frank, Frank, start with you. If you have to leave a message with our listeners today, what would it be? Go big or go home. <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's what Amy and I like to say. We have it on our wall in our in our office. Um, you know, I think we've said so much, the positive things. And Joyce, you said it. I think it, it's important for people, um, whether they're developing into a young adult or they're already adult, is, is continue to set goals. Um, make a plan. How are you going to reach this? Um, arm yourself with the tools and the skill set needed to go out and do what you need to do to reach your goals and then execute this plan that you created. So you you set the goals, you have a plan, execute the plan and keep your head down and grind. Life is a grind. Um, At the same time, sometimes you have to, and Amy and I are terrible at this, is kind of pop your head up and stop and smell the roses once in a while um, and look at all of what you've done and accomplished and where you're at. 
we call it rehuddling, you know, where are we at? What do we need to do? The adjustments. Um, that's, you know, be positive. Everything starts with that thought and don't let anything get in your way. There's always, there's, there's obstacles, there's adversity every day. Something's going to happen. That's going to, it could wrinkle your day. Just expect it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and especially when you're in business, well, when you're in anything, everything, this happens, but, um, I agree with you both. I just want to say that when I, every time I teach a class, people are surprised when I give them this printout from Investor's Business Daily. Uh, but every issue has uh, a story about someone successful. But then inside they have the 10 keys to success. And right up to the top is, uh, first is think how you think. But number two is writing out your plan and goals. And I was telling the class today when they did a study of people that graduated from Yale, the difference that made some more successful than others is the more successful graduates had a plan written down. I've written out these are my goals because something happens when you do that, when you versus saying, oh, this is the thing I'm going to do. It won't happen that way. You really have to have a plan. Well, Amy and Frank, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you Thanks so for much, having Joyce. Us, Joyce. And so I, want to remind, I want to remind everyone, Rev Sports Rehab and Athletic Development is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can go to their website on Facebook, um, or just to their website and read about them and how to get there. But they are right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, what is that's in Wexford, correct? Cranberry. Cranberry. See why I never get there? That's why someone <laughs> drives me. Okay, it's in Cranberry. Um, and if you call and ask for either Amy or Frank, you know they will get back to you. Absolutely. Now, Yes, I end every show with a quote on motivation or on leadership. And today, and boy, it fits what we're talking about, it is Abraham Lincoln that said, most folks are about as happy as they make their minds up to be. And isn't that the truth? This This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Check out Rev. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.